As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to UIMs, the West Ham podcast from the good people at The Athletic. I'm Sam Delaney. With me as always is The Athletic's West Ham correspondent, Rashane Thomas. Hello, Rashane. Hi, Sam. How's it going? Uh, well, not too bad. I mean, obviously, it's never nice waking up from any defeat, but a 3-0 defeat to your London rivals is particularly gutting. Um, however, it was, uh, despite the scoreline, a reasonable performance from West Ham. So, you know, we're going into the Christmas period in 10th position. And I think that's, you know, if anyone had asked us at the beginning of the season if that would be satisfactory at this stage, we'd have all have said absolutely yes. You know, I somewhat disagree. You know, I thought the second, I thought the second half was a little bit disappointing. I thought, I thought in the first half, West Ham responded well to going to go down. I felt like you know we kept the ball well. Chelsea sat back and you know tried to create a few chances. But the second half, especially to be uh, defending for uh, both for Tammy Abraham's goals, I thought it was a bit sloppy. And uh, yeah, so I looked at him for. Could, could have done more. Uh, had zero shots on target, which I thought was disappointing as well. Yeah, because yeah. in the previous podcast, talk about like you know our prediction. I was like, listen, I'm optimistic for the Chelsea game. And that was a simple fact that in the two previous league encounters with Chelsea, West Ham have won, uh, beat them last year one nil. Cresswell's goal, one three two in July. I think it was Yarmolenko scores. I'm thinking, you know, West Ham could do it again. So I just thought, you know, could have done a much much better performance, and unfortunately, we weren't able to see that. Right now, if you get yourself a subscription to The Athletic, you can give another subscription as a gift for free. It's the perfect present for any football fan this Christmas. Enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all of our podcasts, including this one. Say hello to 2021 by sharing the gift of The Athletic's unrivaled football coverage for the whole year. It's the perfect present for yourself and someone else. Just go to athletic.com slash West Ham pod. That's athletic.com slash West Ham pod and sign up. We looked confident and in control. You're right, particularly in, in the first half. And I thought we bettered them um, in particularly in midfield and for a huge, huge parts of the game. I just thought two things. One is, as you say, we just failed to turn the possession and the, it wasn't just empty possession. We were creating opportunities. We were building moves that got us into the area. Um, but once again, there was no one really imposing themselves in the area. 
to to finish those chances off. That that was the first problem. The second problem was you're right. The defending from the second and third goal was poor, and I think that that was similar to what happened against Manchester United, because against United we played very well. Then they got a goal, and after that there was just moment. There was just too many moments where we were you know switched off, and that is going to be a problem that Moyes will be trying to iron out because in some games, but usually the games against the slightly lesser sides. We we've kind of been able to ride that out, you know. Um, I felt against Palace, we 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 managed to ride it out. I thought Palace were the better team against Villa. They were the, Villa were the better team, but we, we were able to ride it out. But when you're playing against those teams who are just that bit better and have elite players who only need half a chance to punish you, that's that's obviously a problem that we've got. Uh, do you think that we're suffering from having to switch back to four at the back, Rochelle? I actually don't because. It was sort of leaked before the match that Noble was going to start. And oh my goodness, Sam, I'm not sure about you, but I thought the reaction yeah. was crazy. A lot of Western fans mm. like, we're going to mm. lose. Noble was starting. Oh, how on earth can Moy start Noble? I was thinking, yeah. come on, guys. The match hasn't even started yet. At least be a little bit optimistic. Yeah, and he often does surprise. Over the years, Noble, who's been written off more than any other player I can ever remember and, and has bounced back more times too. But over the years, some of his best performances have been in big London derbies. Yeah. Because you feel that they mean more to him than than a yeah. lot of the other players. I mean, he, he traditionally has great games against Spurs and Chelsea. So I kind of saw the logic in it, but it wouldn't have been my first, second, or third choice to be honest to have played in that <laughs> position. I think he would. Have, I suspect, and I think we discussed this on the last podcast, that the impact Lanzini had um, coming coming on uh, against Palace. Made him think that you know, an, uh, Lanzini linking up playing the number ten role would be more effective than Ben Rama. When and Ben Rama gave away possession quite a lot in that Palace game. So when when Lanzini was injured, he'd already had his heart set on a different sort of player to Ben Rama in that position. So he, he went instead for Nobs. I'd have gone with Ben Rama myself, or even Snodgrass. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Oh, because. In the piece I wrote this morning, I was sort of, uh, you know, in a nice way possible saying Noble sort of narrowing again of his West Ham career. And I sort of looked at it as that, I, I agree with you that Ben Rama should have started number 10. But even if Moyes was still like persistent in having Ben Rama on the bench, you could have four Niles in number 10 and possibly Snodgrass or Yarmolenko on the left flank. Yeah. And, and yeah. we'll get into it later, but I feel like we've got to utilise Snodgrass and Yarmolenko a lot more mm, in the next mm. couple of games because... They were both on you subs in that match last night, and you're thinking, "Come on, like they're good players at the end of the day. They've been great players for West Ham, and they just need a chance." But very they're briefly, both potential match winners as well. Yeah. That's the other thing; they both can score goals out. Of exactly. Nothing. So if it's 75 minutes and you're chasing a game, either of those coming on, they can both score from outside the area and do so fairly yeah. regularly. Yeah, exactly. And just touching on Noble's performance, I thought it was really disappointing. Mm. I thought Moyes got it wrong; he shouldn't have started Noble, especially in number 10 role. <laughs> Start playing a 33 on the number 10 round 2020. That, that really shouldn't be happening. But do you, do you know, because he, he, you know, obviously his legs have gone, let's be honest, and he can't get around. Do you think in some ways it's damage limitation? If you're going to play him, he can do less damage playing up there when we're out of possession. Because but, if you're relying on him yeah. to sit back and protect the defence, 
then you can really get exposed because he just isn't mobile enough. I'd rather him play in that role as in sit back and protect with defence because in number 10 role, you're sort of trying to link up with the striker. You've got a lot of running goals in the round-up position and yeah. as you touched, he doesn't have the legs. And the biggest takeaway for me from that match was, right, obviously the press box at Chelsea, you're close to the pitch. And the thing about London Stadium, you're all the way up in the gods. Like, so you don't yeah. really hear what the players are saying. So last night, I could pretty much hear everything. <laughs> like what Bonnie was saying, what Cresswell was saying. But Rice really caught my attention about a match, Sam. When I say he was West Ham's most vocal player during the whole during the full course of 90 minutes, especially in the first half, Rice, there was passages of play, right, where Emerson, the uh, Chelsea left-back, kicked the ball out of play and Sufal was about to take the throw in. Suchek was about to run into the box because obviously Suchek, he's anticipating them being on, being on the throw in so he can score. Yeah. So what, I was about to jog into the box. Rice was like, what are you doing? Like, you got to get back. And that was because Jorginho and uh, Werner were open. So let's say the ball gets right. to them, Chelsea can break on the attack. And it's something so small. But I was thinking, oh my goodness, Rice, like, it, this is why you're the real essentially. And the thing is, he listened to Rice and got back yeah. and started defending. In the second half, there was a passage of play where um, Ogbonna made a good interception and he passed the ball out to Safal, but it went out for throwing. Rice like, come on, got to do it quicker, got to pass quicker. Ogbonna wasn't like, who on earth is Rice? Why are you talking to him like yeah, this? Yeah, I mean, Ogbonna's one of the senior yeah. players, isn't he? It was a, a funds up say, yeah, I need to do better next time. Like, the players were responding to Rice and wow. listen, I'm not going to say Noble was quiet during the whole match because he wasn't, but it wasn't nowhere near as vocal as Rice, put it that way. That's interesting, isn't it? I mean, it's fascinating. Quite a privilege, actually, for you to sit you know, so close and hear that. I mean, yeah. you know, not many silver linings to the situation we're in at the moment in lockdown, all the rest of it, but that's a unique experience you've had there. First team football, getting up close, hearing every word of what they say. Um, I'm particularly interested by that dynamic between Mark Noble, who's always struck me as such a sort of the alpha of that squad. Uh, Rice has obviously learned a lot from playing with Noble because in, in his early days in the team, he was very often paired with Noble, wasn't he? And um, it's, it's like he's officially taken the baton now, isn't it? And, and Noble's yeah. sort of almost letting him be the, be the main man. Yeah, well, when you think of West Ham right now, you think of Declan Rice pretty much. In my opinion, it's his team. The way he performed mm. last night, obviously he could have you know, played better, which is most of the players on the pitch, in fact. But it's just how vocal he was. That was my biggest takeaway. Just the fact he was leading by example, constantly motivating his team, his teammates. What else, mate? Just, any good Any good swearing? Any good rows? The players were getting frustrated a lot with the referee. Right. Uh, like fouls that our, that our Chelsea players were going down for. Where some players were like, what on earth are you doing? <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I'm not sure if it was swearing, but Kevin Nolan got absolutely angry with the linesman. Love I think it. it may have been for uh, for Bowen's goal that was that was ruled mm. out. Oh yeah, and and Nolan was like, I'm pretty sure he said, you know, effing, what's going on, linesman? Yeah. And I started laughing because I was thinking, if you ever need anyone to like back your cause, it's definitely Nolan. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Definitely no, like he, he's and down for the about course. We've got the we've got yeah. the hardest bench in the league. Yeah, no no trouble. So that's the only one that comes to mind. It was frustrating. We we got the ball in the back of the net twice early in the game, and and I thought in both cases very. I mean, you know, the first goal, um, Rice's goal, brilliant play as well by Rice. I mean, it's funny when a goal's ruled offside, people ignore the technique that was involved in scoring it. But the way Rice went through, went round the keeper and then finished from such an acute angle was absolutely incredible. I mean, there's no end to this bloke's talents. You know, it was it was sensational. A mate of mine texted me and said, you know what, we can play him number nine and he'd do a, a really good job. And I thought, 
Yeah, that's true. He's he's strong. He can run with it. He can shoot. He can head. You know, I mean, you could do worse. And we are thin on the ground. I mean, I wouldn't want to lose him from the midfield, obviously. But the point is, you, you know, you looked at him there. He handled that opportunity better than Seb Haller would have done. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're starting to see that a lot from Rice this season in terms of him, you know, sort of wanted to like be better on the offensive end. Mm. If you think about the game, obviously not linked to West Ham, but the game against Man United and Leeds, score, so, uh, so Scott McTominay scored two goals. I'm sure Rice will look to that and think, you know what? First of all, I'm better than him. And second of all, I need to, I need to start doing that yeah, as well. I need to start scoring more goals too. And even the game against uh, Palace, Rice are close to scoring a winner in the last mm. minute. Like he had mm. a great chance, which just slowly went uh, over the... Uh, over the keeper's pole, so mm. it's definitely something we've seen a lot more in Rice's game. And listen, the the annual link uh, with Chelsea is crept up once again. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I can't see him going yeah. in January. Yeah. Can you? I, uh, no, no way, no way. Absolutely I can't see him no going way. at all in, in January. And it's, it's something what I mentioned in the previous podcast. I feel like if West Ham were to sell him, it would be much. It would be a better decision to do it after the Euros because. Yeah. His value increased by then. And everyone thinks it's going to be Chelsea. There's going to be other teams coming in for Rice. It's not just If he has Chelsea a great alone. Euros and there's yeah. no reason why he shouldn't. I mean, for me, he could be England's best player going into the Euros uh, or coming out of it. No one's going to be saying it because there's still cynicism out there because people don't see him like we do in every single game. And they don't understand um, how remarkable his all-round game is. But they will see he'll come out of the Euros and and they'll be, yeah, I think that you'll have teams in Spain, Germany, everyone yeah. wanting to have a look at him then. Yeah, instead of um, trying to lowball. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I, I suppose all I can hope is, is that by that stage we've been taken over by a ludicrously rich, <laughs> mad oligarch who has basically decided to invest insane amounts of money into making us league champions. And Rice thinks, oh, I might as well stick around here. That's our best hope. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. We can't really let, let any podcast go. No, it's frustrating, but it, it's what everyone talks about on social. It's on everyone's mind. We have to, you know, review Seb Haller's performance. I don't know what you felt. I felt that he put in, you know, more work than he had done in, in certain games and just tried to display more physicality as well. I saw him in a few kind of decent aerial battles with the centre-backs and, and stuff like that. I, you know, I thought he was kind of all right. Not good enough, but, you know, at least put in a shift in. What did you make of it? Sam, when we spoke last week, I said... I've come to the conclusion that it just won't work out for Hala or West Ham, mm. and I, and, I, and I stick by that. Mm. We're talking about you know Hala improving his uh, on his work rate, trying to be more of a bully, but <laughs> that's the bare minimum when you're a striker. Like you got to yeah. be doing that week in week out. And my biggest frustration with Hala, I just feel like he's just too easy to mark. I don't think 
Thiago Silva, all Kurt Zuma left that field thinking, oh my goodness, Hala gave me a tough battle. Oh, yeah. I'm knackered. I, I don't feel like they gave him, a tough, gave him a tough battle at all. I can't think of him having a, a, a clear-cut chance at goal. It's like a lot of a lot of West Ham things think whenever Haller plays, it's like playing with ten men, and that's been a regular theme during Haller's time at West Ham. And it just goes to show how much of, how much of a miss Antonio is because with Antonio, he doesn't even have to score, but it's his work rate we admire, Sam. His work rate, how unselfish he is. When Antonio leaves the pitch, I remember that game against Chelsea, the three-two-one, I think it was, and he was asked, "How are you feeling?" He's like I'm blowing because yeah. he was just yeah, he was yeah, just yeah. knackered. I don't yeah, get that impression yeah. with Haller. I, yeah, I, oh, no, I mean, like you know, the, the team that that we have at the moment is a good team. It's a, it's a team that, you know, we can lose 3-0 and it's disappointing and you're right, mistakes were made. But I don't, you know, the game doesn't end with me thinking that team's a disgrace. I don't know where yeah, our next decent yeah. performance is going to come from. These are players who are working hard for each other. They've got potential. But if if Antonio was still fit, if he was firing on all cylinders and he'd been playing in these games, I think we would have got a draw out of that game. I think we would have got a draw or a win out of the United game. I think we would have beaten Palace. I think we'd be a lot higher up the table because for me, all the way through the team, we're doing things right. All we're not doing is, is actually finishing the opportunities that we create. Um, Feel bad for Haller because you know God, we'll always remember him just because some of the goals he scored. I mean, the goal against Palace was was you know obviously a fantastic, fantastic goal. He, he's got that in him, but it's not really enough. You need someone who, throughout the whole game, is going to be an absolute nightmare for any defender. Antonio would have been, and he, like you say, even if he doesn't score, the the fact that he drags defenders all over the place. I think yeah. that, for instance, Jared Bowen would be bagging more goals if he was playing with Antonio still. I agree. And just very quickly, Sam, Tammy Abraham obviously scored two match two goals. And in in this cause where I was in the press box, I was in I was in the far corner, so I was pretty much near where well, I was pretty much in front of where the West Ham players were walking uh through the tunnel. And I was watching Tammy Abraham a lot in the second half and obviously scored two goals, but he wasn't fantastic. He was mm. struggling a lot in terms of his battle with the West Ham defence, but he mm. scored. That's what I remember. Yeah. And unfortunately, Haller doesn't have that in his locker. So Moyes, after the game, said that he he may need to look for the for another Mikel Antonio or Marco Anatovic. Um Did you think? Did, how did you interpret that remark? Direct sort of dig at Haller or what? I, I reckon it was. To be fair, I reckon it was. It was like we've he's had an extended run in the team. Fair enough, he scored a cracking goal against Palace. But what else have we done since then? I know West Ham fans are like, oh, but Halle Antonio have scored the same amount of goals. But Antonio started a few matches. So technically, if you look at that record, he's more clinical. And again, when it comes to Halle, it's just like, we need to see more, we need to see more from you. You need to be more consistent. Fair enough for praising your work rate, but like that, that should be the bare minimum in your striker. And it, we, we can see now why Moyes is a bit frustrated because January is just a few a few weeks away, a few days away, in fact. And I reckon that'll be the priority for West Ham. A central midfielder and a striker. We've got to get someone else in because ultimately we can't rely on Hall all the time when Antonio's out of injury. There's young players in the academy that could get a chance, but Hall has been getting that chance right now and he just hasn't seized the opportunity for me, Sam. I think Anatovic as well, to compare Anatovic and Haller just on the basis of goals scored is mad on many levels. When Anatovic was firing on all cylinders under Moyes in Moyes' first stint at the club, 
The thing was, he was a talisman. He was our main man on the pitch. Things went through him. He made himself known. He was a nightmare. He was in the faces of defenders. He was in the faces of referee. He was. He, he became almost like a leader or a de, de facto captain in some games, I thought. He, he was a bit of a monster. And you knew when you were playing against an Outovich. If you were an, a, a, an opposing defender, you bloody knew about it. Him and Haller, I mean, it's chalk and cheese. And I'm talking about an Outovich at his best because an Outovich, you know, got a sulk on in the end and, and disappeared in, inevitably. But we've never seen a side of... I don't think Haller has a side like that in him, to be honest. Um, so what, is it still Josh King's the favourite to come in in January? Well, Barcelona ain't refused to go away, but I look at Josh King's record and he hasn't even scored the championship this season. Yeah. <laughs> he hasn't You're scored the championship. You're not convinced by this, are you? I mean, he's a good player, but mm-hmm. if respecting him to sort of hit the football cliche of hitting the ground running, then I, I doubt it, judging by his record. He scored oh, yeah. six goals in the Premier League last season. So we could have to do with someone younger and someone a bit more prolific. There's another player from Slavia Prague, West Ham Relinctiv. His name's uh, Abdullah Simmer, if, if, uh, if, if I pronounce it correct. A 19-year-old. Yeah. He scored six goals so far for Slavia Prague. You know, a really highly rated player, in fact. So that's one name to look out for. But What about the left side? Um, I think I saw on The Athletic, which is you know, a really good source of transfer news these days. Uh, Zinchenko from... Man City is a possibility. Any truth in that, do you think? See, I, I saw that. I, I don't know at this moment in time how, how true it is, but it, it, it stems from this. Winston Reid obviously has finished a long spot sport in Kansas City, right? Mm. And he said to have talks of David Moyes about his involvement in the team moving forward. Now, there's a possibility Craig Dawson could go back to uh, Watford in January. Right. Because obviously he hasn't been involved in the team, he hasn't even played a first team appearance in the team. His only appearance so far that springs to mind is the um, a game against Peter United in it for the twenty threes, and he was right. he was poor in that match, sound really poor. Yeah. So let's say he got he leaves right, and that frees up Winston Reid to be in that sort of uh, fifth place fifth option centre back. Yeah. That sort of allows another another loan spell from uh, from an English club, and that could oh, be okay. uh, yeah that could be Zajenko from Man City. Interesting. So we could see Reed in, in the claret and blue shirt again, potentially. Yeah, potentially. And it, it would be good because I wrote a piece last week on like what next for Reed and how I sort of compared it to boxing. When you're boxing, you know, one of the best. And then because of injury, you have to sort of relinquish your title. And you haven't really had a chance like proving yourself against other competitors or let's say people in your weight class or no one there as good as you but now they're champion because of, of, your, of your misfortune and I just feel like I sort of compare that analogy with Winston Reed because in my opinion he was the best defender for West Ham and then he saw others come and take his place and he wasn't really given a chance to like have a battle to say okay you're the best man you're taking yeah. my place yeah. he's played, he lost his place because of injury so it'll be interesting to see what happens in the coming I, weeks I think you know he's a player who physically has the lot and we know that at his best he's a fantastic defender what I'd be really interested in is seeing him under the coaching of David Moyes because we've discussed it before. David Moyes and his team make players better. Every player improves, and you know when they're being coached by this setup that David Moyes has. That this is what we've seen so far. And I think Winston Reid, you know, is if you look at Winston Reid, he was always considered better than Ogbonna. You know, Ogbonna is now our best defender. Winston Reid, he might not, you know, physically be in the same nick as he was a few years ago. But I, I think that, you know, playing for a coach like Moyes could really give him a last sort of swan song. 
Um, I'd love to see him back. Love to see him back. And, and he has three years after his contract, so mm. I, I don't. Oh, yeah. I don't think you know, that's that's a good contract. He's on a mad but, yeah, contract. Yeah, yeah. I can't track him back. So yeah, it'll be good to see him return to the lineup. And as you mentioned, you know, improve on the noise. That'll be great if if it were to happen. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So next up, we've got Brighton. Um, so, you know, Moyes stuck quite consistently to a team in spite of us all saying, oh, we'd like to see Ben Rahm or we'd like to see this, that or the other. He's stuck to a team throughout uh, a very good period of results. Now, just lately, through a mixture of injuries and results not always going our way and being tempted to tinkering. He started tinkering from one game to the next. And I think it's likely he's going to do it again next time, isn't it? Because I can't see Noble retaining his spot in the team for the Brighton game. So what what do you think will happen? <laughs> Absolutely no way. No way should be a start eleven for the Brighton. But, but, game. Don't, but they, you know, Rashane, what we haven't discussed is, is everyone could see that Noble was struggling from the mm. first half onwards. I half expected him to go off at half time, but when he finally did make a substitution with Brumrah on, it was for four nows, not for Noble. So that that's the only thing. The fact that he did that and that Noble saw out the full ninety minutes makes me worried that Moyes saw something that we didn't and that he might retain him. And that's a great point, Sam, because within 15 minutes of four Nars coming off, Abraham scored two goals. Mm. So, and and I think from what I can remember, the way Chelsea were attacking was from that left-hand side of, yeah. of West Ham's left-hand side. So that's how they were able to get a bit more space. And everyone saw it. Everyone was like, listen, Noble was not playing well. Like, surely he had to come off. And the yeah. fact Noble played the full 90 minutes when you have someone like Yarmolenko or Snodgrass, and I touched on it really, like, I like to, to mention the fact that I feel like they should have more of a more of a more of a role to play over the next coming games because I thought it was bad that Yarmolenko was an unused sub and Stuttgart was an unused sub. I feel like we have a lot to offer. Yarmolenko, I don't feel like we're giving the guy the respect he deserves. Yes, we know Yarmolenko can be frustrating, but Is he's he capable of legend. Mo- yeah, he's capable of one moment of magic, yeah, and you yeah, and you yeah. want that in a player. One moment of magic, yeah, mate. Yarmolenko he could be our Maradona. I, mean, if I, I would I would play I would play Yarmolenko number ten. I think Yarmolenko, yeah. you know, he, he genuinely is. He's a legend in Ukraine, isn't he? He's a he's a he's a great player at international level, and he's scored great goals for West Ham. I would play him in a number ten role all yeah. day long. I, I yeah. wouldn't. I would not want to see Bowen, who I thought was possibly our best player last night, dislodged from that position out on the right. I mean, I think that he'd reap havoc in the number 10 role against the right opposition. And I feel as if Brighton could be just that opposition. Yeah. And another frustration of Myron Moyes is that he keeps taking off Bowen. I'm not, I'm not sure why. Even that's like, just Bowen just gets knackered because he runs about so much. I mean, that's the only explanation I, 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 I can I think I of. I don't get the impression from Bowen's performance that he's tired. Like, mm. He checks the person that will just keep going and keep going and keep going. And so that's another something else I've noticed over the last couple of weeks that, yeah, Moyes has to bring Bowen off around the 80-minute mark. And you're spotting with Yarmolenko, by the way, playing at number 10. I'd rather judge Yarmolenko by the fact he started a match and let's say he didn't have an impact rather than Yarmolenko coming off for five or 10 minutes where mm. it's just hard to have an impact in that time. And Snowgrass as well. 
yes, Snodgrass doesn't have the legs like, let's say, two or three seasons ago, but on set pieces, he's just as good as Aaron Cresswell. If you need oh, yeah. a goal, you can rely on Snodgrass to do well. And yeah, you know and what? We're, we're a brilliant team at set pieces. Yeah. I think we've scored more from set pieces yeah. than any other team. I believe so and, as well. And um, we rely for on Cresswell for delivery yeah. most of the time. But yeah. Snodgrass's delivery, if anything, I would say he's better. I mean, he, mm. he's incredible with dead ball at his feet. And I think with the threat we've got in the air, it's very, it must be very tempting. I'd certainly sooner play him in that position than Noble. Yeah. And I'll just say something. I'm, I'm sort of tempted for Moyes to go to revert back to a back five against Brighton. Yeah. I thought the back four played well against Leeds. Uh, was all right against Palace and unfortunately didn't work against Chelsea. And... It's once again highlighting how big of a loss uh, Masuaku is. He was the reason why it clicked on the four-five-one system, and obviously we know he's tailor-made for that role. If I were to look at left back in the dictionary, I'll see a picture of Masuaku. That is how tailor-made he is for that role. But yeah, yeah. Obviously, we know he's out injured, so it would be good to see someone like a Ben Johnson playing that side or yeah. Ryan Fredericks. Now J- Johnson is right-footed, right? But he's yeah. played left back a few times. In fact, his debut for West Ham was uh, yeah. was as left back against Man City. Yeah. Yeah, it's like at the end of last season, we were all of us all about Ben Johnson. We were like, that's it. The right back situation is solved forever. We know we've got a great right back. Ben Johnson is the future. No problem at all. And then he had a game, which I know you were at, so you saw the horror. I only heard of it. Mm. But um, by the sounds of things, he had a game so bad against Bournemouth in the summer break that it just sort of almost set his career back <laughs> yeah. by a couple of years. And we yeah. it was why we went out and bought Suchek. Until that point, we weren't looking at Ryberts. We already had Fredericks and Johnson. He's gone out and bought Suchek, I think, directly as a result of that performance. I didn't see it. Is it as bad as, as everyone says? It's the worst I've seen by Johnson play, in honesty. Mm. Like, when I fact in the first team appearances and appearances for the under 23 is the worst I've seen him play. He was taking off after about 30 minutes. He was really bad. <laughs> oh it, it just like kept his timeless tackles, won't check and runs, just really bad. But, but what I like but, most about when he came off, yeah. um, Kevin Nolan gave him sort of like a, like a fist pump and I don't know if I spoke to him on the bench, sort of saying, just me interpreting it here, that, you know, there'll be better days. This won't, this won't be how it's going to end for you. Like, just bounce yeah. back from this. And I really yeah. liked that because as a young player, something like that can sort of make or break your confidence. Yeah, yeah. It so nice for and to just take a bit of time and say, you know, you'll be all bounce back from this. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. I am, um, I would like to see that. I, I feel safer with three at the back. I feel safe. I don't, I'm not keen on Cresswell at left back anymore. I think he's fantastic centre back nowadays in in that back three but you know I just don't don't think that he, he's cut out anymore for playing in the left back position so that it, what I would do is definitely switch back to how we were before but in John give Johnson a go in that Masuaku role and I think Brighton you know no games are easy as the cliche goes but I think Brighton are, are, are a decent opposition to try something like that against you, you don't want to put someone like Johnson in the game where he's going to be up against, you know, perhaps a world-class lightning quick winger. You know, I say that we're probably, I, there probably is someone like that playing for Brighton. I just can't think of who they are. And now he's going to <laughs> score a hat-trick against us. Yeah. yeah. But you know what, Sam, in the previous podcast, you, you mentioned that we're going to have a blip in form eventually. And yeah. I I agree with you on that. And you, you don't want it to be a thing where we lose against Chelsea, 
we lose against Brighton, and let's say we draw against Southampton, and then we enter the new year in a bit of a blip, and then it just continues and continues and continues. Yeah. So yeah. you want to at least try to get two more wins if you can before the year ends and, you know, keep up that optimism. Right, we're going to wrap it up in terms of talking about the games, but but this is our last episode of the year. We'll be back in the new year, looking back on those fixtures we just mentioned. And by that stage, we'll be looking ahead to our third round FA Cup game against Stockport as well. Uh, but for now, let's uh, talk about the three things that we both would like to see uh, from West Ham in 2021. Let's start with your first one, Rochelle. Well, first one is an obvious one, really, and, and that's David Moyes getting offered a long-term deal. Mm. I feel like he's doing a fantastic job at West Ham. And I know you tend to ask me what, what we expect to come on the website. Uh, there's going to be a piece next week, in fact, just reflecting on Moyes' year at West Ham and the, and the, and the good job he's doing and I can, I can say it now I spoke to someone at Dice before he was uh, appointed West Brom manager and he was really complimentary of David Moyes just happy for him and the fact that he's turned it around and when you think of the struggles he had at Man United Sunderland Sausadad, and the fact that everyone's speaking about David in glowing terms is just really good and he's building something here we haven't had stability since Adidas was in charge yeah. so we're getting that hopefully we can get that now in the Moyes so yeah that's definitely top of my list Moyes getting offered a new long term deal all right. Obviously, I was going to say that. That would be top of my list as well, but we can't double up. So I'll say I'd like to see Antonio get a, you know, get fit and stay fit for, you know, as much rest of the season as possible. I'd like to see him with a run in the team. And then it doesn't really matter who we buy. I'm, I'm not, I, I'm fed up of us thinking that every transfer window is going to bring in the saviour that turns us around. I think the team we've got is good enough. And what I want to see is that is the missing piece, which is Antonio get a decent run in the team. So I'll say a little Christmas prayer for Michael Antonio's <laughs> hamstring. Yeah. That's my uh, first one. What, what's next from you? Well, my second one, it would be great if West Ham could secure a top 10 finish. Mm. Whether it's 8th, ninth, or 10th or itself, that would be so good. Because I've always been on, on, of your opinion that if West Ham can secure a top 10 finish, it'll just bring so much confidence and the team can go build up from that. You know, it'll, be, it'll help in terms of recruitment. Players will see that, you know, Moy trying to build the club in his vision. And after that, you can try and push for Europe and more high positions in the league. So that's one of my, uh, well, hopefully that's something we'll see in the forthcoming future. Very good. Um, okay, I'm going to say I hope that the three people in charge of the club, Sullivan, Goals and Brady, just keep their mouths shut in 2021 assuming that they're not going to be going anywhere anytime soon i'd like them to continue what they've done for this season so far which i think has been a big factor in allowing david moyes to achieve the stability and the positive results that he has is that we have heard more from moyes and less from the board and that's what i want to continue let's just make it about the football and not the club ownership. That's a brilliant point, Sam. That's a, that's a really good point, in fact. The, the last one for me is, and uh, something that hasn't really been highlighted, highlighted much, is um, I want to see Lucas Fabianski sign a new contract at West Ham. Right. He's out of contract in the summer. I'll have him on par with you know, Declan Rice, Bonner, and Ponyo in terms of his importance to the team. In fact, we saw it last season when he suffered that injury at Bournemouth, and it just went downhill after that. This guy is really important for West Ham, and 
I like to see him at least sign or two more years at the club and yeah, just he's, for, he's getting back to the best of his form as well because I felt that when he came back from injury last season, he was still good, but he wasn't quite at his his brilliant best, which he had been in his yeah. first season and, when he won Hammer And sorry to cut you off, Sam, but I thought like that was because we rushed him back because Roberto yes. was just so garbage. But we rushed Fabianski yeah. back and I felt like his form softened as a result of that. Yeah, 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 you're probably right. But I feel now uh, very confident with him back and go. Okay, here's my third one, right? I just want us to beat Tottenham, but not because, you know, all the Tottenham fans go on about it. Oh, it's your cup fun and all that. Here's the the reason that I in particular want to see us beat Tottenham um, in uh, our next game against them this season is because... I don't want to live in a country where Tottenham are Premier League champions. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to live in that country. You don't want to. No one does apart from some Tottenham fans. Right. And wouldn't it be wonderful if defeat at the hands of West Ham was not the result, but at least a crucial result in depriving them of that. I hope it doesn't come to that. I hope they fall out of the title race sooner than than, than that. But Let's just hope that we beat them and that deprives them of winning the league title because no one wants it. I mean, 2020 has been a bad year, God knows. <laughs> but it could be worse in 2021. Yeah. Um, thank God they already look like they're getting a bit spursy and, and slipping down, Rashane. But you can't be too careful, can you? Uh, very quickly, right? For the athletic, we had to write our review of the year, you know, our goal of the year, the worst moment of the year. And I said, the, for my goal of the year was Anzini's equaliser against Tottenham. Yeah. And then I sort of jokingly mentioned that whoever's a tall guy at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, it should be compulsory for them to mention Lanzini's moment of magic. I think that's uh, true. Uh, yeah, they should have. They should mention it at every tall guy. Like I think they should see, build yeah. a statue at, yeah. <laughs> at White Hart Lane of Lanzini scoring that goal because I think okay, it wasn't a goal for Tottenham, but it was a very memorable goal in the history of that's the short history of that stadium. They should honour it. You know, yeah. get something knocked up. Uh, um, I agree. I'll chip in. <laughs> Rashane, it's been great doing the show with you this year. Um, I look forward to getting back together and talking some more next year. I hope you have a wonderful Christmas. And that the same goes to all of our listeners as well. Thanks for joining us on these shows. We really enjoy doing them and we love hearing your feedback on Twitter and, you know, continue to, to chat with us about those games over Christmas. It's going to be a busy period. This podcast won't be out until first week of January again, but we will be around on Twitter and there's not much else to do. We're all on lockdown. I'm just going to be eating Quality Street and thinking about West Ham, so feel free to tweet me at Delaney Ooh. Man or Rashane at Rashane Sport. Sam, I, I just I just forgot. Last yeah. night I asked, you know, listeners to tweet in a question and if we have time, it would be good to like to keep in one because I got one from, uh, from Dan Lamb and he just asks, why is our finishing so poor? So... Yeah. I just, I just thought something just asked before, before we wrap up. We've already answered that question, yeah, yeah, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> is, is that, the, the answer is Sebastian Haller. Yeah, I agree there, yeah, Sebastian Haller. And again, like, thank you everyone for sending in your um, yeah, sending your questions as well. And what, what a lot of listeners don't realise is that, Sam, I haven't seen you since March. March or yeah. February, in fact. I haven't yeah. seen you in ages. So. I know, it's weird, isn't it? We used to actually, when we started this at the beginning of the year, we actually got together in yeah. an Italian trattoria just oh, a yes. few hundred yards from the <laughs> London Stadium. It seems oh, like yeah. a lifetime ago. Yeah. And and since then, we've had to do it remotely. But, you know, maybe, Rashane, we will meet again and go back to that romantic yeah. Italian spot where we yeah. used to meet and uh, and do a face-to-face one. And, and, you know, maybe invite some of the listeners down um, to have a beer yeah. with us too. 
Hey, mate, um, I don't want you to worry, though, because in the time that we've been apart, I remain at least as handsome, if not more so. <laughs> so you don't need to worry about that, mate. Oh, um, oh that's good to hear, pal. That's it. We're we're out. You can continue to read Rashane's West Ham excellent excellent West Ham coverage on the Athletic throughout the festive season. Interact with us on Twitter, and we will be back um, to look back on those Christmas fixtures in the first week of January. Uh, thanks very much for listening, ladies and gents. Come on, you irons, and of course, remember everyone. There's only one. Samasiabu.